0: Archie
1: Archie's here Betty's here Veronica right too Archie's here Hey Jughead,
0: where are you? And now, it's time to, to sit back and enjoy The Two the True Freaks radio Internet Radio Broadcast,
1: broadcast. But it ain't We ain't the Archie out the jacket be Hello, everyone, and welcome to Walking Dead Wednesday. This is number 31, and you're going to be hearing a little bit of a change-up this time. Of course, we're going to be talking about zombie comics. That's uh, kind of our purvey over here at Walking Dead Wednesday. But this time, me, Sean Engle, and my co-host, Dr. Bill Robinson. Hey, Bill. Hello. We're going to be talking about a different zombie comic. This one is Afterlife with Archie, and we're going to be covering issues 4, 5, and 6 of the comic, Because, well, we started with another person over at his show, the Relatively Geeky podcast, where we covered issues one through three of of Afterlife with Archie. And the person we covered it with is the, well, he's pretty much the head honcho over at the Relatively Geeky site. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very proud to have on the show Professor Alan Middleton. That's
0: what I keep telling Emily, but she doesn't believe it just yet. Well,
1: you'll have to... uh, have to reiterate that point a little bit. (laughs) Hail, Emily! Hail, Whoops. Wait a (laughs) minute. (laughs) But yes, if you uh, came only to uh, Walking Dead Wednesday this time out, we recommend very strongly that you go over to the Relatively Geeky podcast and listen to the first part of this show, where, like I said, we covered issues one through three. Not only because, you know, it leads into this show, but primarily because everything over at the Relatively Geeky site is an enjoyable listen. Aw, thanks, Sean. Uh, it's it's honestly it's it's the, the on is truth that you you put out a bunch of great shows there, and I was really happy that you you know contacted us and you told us you know you wanted to talk about zombie comics and specifically you know the afterlife with Archie's storyline.
0: Now, I mean, I've 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 pretty much I've evidently been banned from back to the bins. So between just one of the guys and. I thought Walking Dead Wednesday was the only other chance I had to get on uh, to get on Two True Freaks again.
2: Well we hey, hey talk to the producer, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Paul, I, I would rather talk about him.
2: I'm Paul. just a comic
1: relief lackey.
0: That's all I am. Paul is very, uh, very uh, strict with his guidelines.
2: Controlling, demanding, oppressive. That's just a few
1: adjectives that come
0: to mind. <laughs> yeah, I like hosts with lower standards for guests, like Sean Engel, for example.
1: Yeah, that, I'm. <laughs> hey. Wait a minute, that was
0: a compliment.
1: Oh, no, it wasn't. But that's okay. But that's okay. I'm, I'm more than willing to have anyone on my show. and I'm, I'm specifically glad to have you on this show. And Like I said, you know, this is following up from the show that uh, we did uh, a couple of days ago over at Relatively Geeky. So if you're coming to only Walking Dead Wednesday or Walking Dead Comics, we're going to be covering Walking Dead Comics next time, but this time out we're talking about Afterlife with Archie. So Again, go over to Relatively Geeky, listen to the first part of the show, and then come back and listen to this if you haven't already. But uh, we're going to go ahead and start out with uh, the comics for uh, Afterlife with Archie. I'm going to do uh, issue four if you guys are ready to do that. Do we have any, since we already did our sort of origins of zombies and uh, zombies in comics and zombies in movies over there, do we want to just jump right into your know, coverage of...
0: Do we want to do a, just a brief recap of what happened in one through three? Sure. Bad things. That is okay. a very good... Okay, moving right along.
2: That is Reggie, a very good... Let me see if I can sum it up quickly. <clears throat> Reggie hit a dog. It was hot dogs. It belonged to Jughead. Jughead found the dog. He went to Sabrina, who brought it to her aunts. So they couldn't bring the dog back, so Jughead left. And then Sabrina felt bad. She went over there, used the Necronomicon, brought the dog back. Then the dog bit Jughead. Jughead went to the dance. Jughead bit everybody else. Everybody else ran to the Lodge home, and everybody's in the Lodge home. Midge had gotten bit. Now her and Moose are zombies trapped in the pool. They're all trapped in the house. Archie left. We have incestuous siblings. We have lesbian cheerleader pyro cheerleaders, and we have... uh, That's about where we're at.
0: But for more details, you want to listen to the whole episode. Those are just the highlights. Yeah, that, that basically sounds like the synopsis of
1: a Roger Corman
0: thing as well so
1: but you know roger <laughs> corman is known for making zombie movies so there you go but if you're ready i will go ahead and work into the uh fourth book in the afterlife with archie series uh this one was afterlife with archie number four it was cover dated april of 2004 it had a cover price of two dollars and ninety nine cents us the title of it was escape from riverdale part 4 archibald rex the writer was Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa, the artist again was Frank Francesco Villavaca, or Franco-Vivia, sorry. The letter was Jack Morelli, the editors were Victor Gorlick, Paul Kaminsky, and Jamie Lee Rotante. Our story opens ten years ago on the Tulip Hill Puppy Farm, where Mary and Fred Andrews have taken their young son Archie to pick out a puppy for him to take care of. Looking through the numbers of waiting dogs, young Archie comes across a black Labrador puppy that was found wandering the Strip in Las Vegas and was given the name of the town as its own. Archie instantly connects with the young pup as Fred and Mary marvel about their son, while also worrying about how he will have to deal with a pet that that won't be around for all of Archie's life. Fred consoles Mary, saying that dying is a part of life, and eventually everyone has to realize that nothing lasts forever. Cut back to the present, where the undead hot dog menacingly growls at Archie. But before Hot Dog can attack, Vegas bursts through the window of the house and stands its ground between the snarling Hot Dog and his master. And in two of the most gut-wrenching pages ever put down in comics, we see from Vegas's point of view his sacrifice to save his master and his call for him to run and live. And I'm actually going to take a moment here to recompose myself because I'm not joking. Every time I read these pages, I get torn up. <clears throat>
0: And that's just the start.
1: Yes. Able to escape the attack from Hot Dog, Archie kicks in the door of his house and frantically searches for his parents. He finds his mother in shock, hiding in a darkened room, and his father having already turned into one of the living dead. We move to a quick interlude with Cheryl and Jason Blossom, who are engaged in a little game of Truth or Dare while waiting out the zombie apocalypse. Jason asks Cheryl if she's afraid that they're going to die and for the first time in her life, she admits she truly is. Cheryl then poses the question of what they would do if just the two of them were left, and Jason gets all kind of incestuously creepy, leading Cheryl to say that they need to get out of here, no matter what. Back at the Andrews' house, Archie and his mom have hidden away in his bedroom. Fred, outside, hears a noise from the room, and lifts up the bed to find a cowering Mary underneath. But brandishing a baseball bat, Archie lures his undead father away from his mom, eventually having to knock him down the stairwell to the first floor. As his father lands hard at the bottom of the stairs, Archie goes to see if he's alright, but the gurgling snarl tells him that he isn't. Knowing what he has to do, Archie forces himself to finish what the fall started, as he brings the bat down on his father's head over and over again. Hearing the commotion, Mary comes downstairs, but Archie tells her that they need to get out of here, now. To make the matters worse, the two are cornered by the reanimated corpse of Vegas, who now only wants to kill his former master. The two head for the garage and jump into the old jalopy, which surprisingly starts up like it was new. And as they drive away, Archie swears that he's not going to let anyone die ever again. But that might not be in the cards, as we see Jughead and the rest of the zombified citizens of Riverdale gather in front of the Lodge mansion and prepare to lay siege. And I am not kidding you. When I picked up this trade, I had heard, you know, from things on the internet and various sources that there was going to be a scene in this that would make the episode of Futurama Jurassic bark looked like the happiest thing on the world and literally when I read this part of the part of the trade I had to put the book down and step away from it for a little while because of how powerfully written and how powerfully drawn that sequence was and uh, we can talk more about other things in the book but you know I think we need to get this out of the way I... because
0: that was amazing. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a you know scene from that you know that dog's POV and really sort of the you know that the few little things that that little brain can do and just thinking you know, of these little one word synopsis, you know love protect um, and then at the end uh, when we yeah. get the zombie version oh, of, yeah. of yeah. that wow I mean those scenes.
2: And then he says, uh, kill,
0: maim, me. eat food. Yeah. I mean, those those scenes have stuck with me for quite some time. Yeah,
1: and the the wonderful thing about this is this is a great draw-in for us as readers. It's a great way to get us emotionally invested in the story because we're getting to see from the dog's point of view. And, you
0: know, We joked in the prior episode about zombie dogs versus zombie cats mm-hmm. and the, the different thought processes of dogs and cats, but here we have all of the great positive attributes of dogs here on display: of loyalty, unconditional love, uh, protection, you know, all of those things that that you know, are are the best uh, in dogs, uh, man's best friend. And then to see that turned is really heartbreaking. And it's, I mean, it's it's those what I guess four pages we get of. In picking out the dog, and that itself would have been, you know, laying the groundwork for the emotional punch that comes. But the things that the parents are saying to each other about the responsibility of a dog, and can he take care of it? It's he's going to outlive it. It's important for the boy to learn these things. You know that there's there's, there's things are happening at a couple different layers in those first you know, I three or four pages of the flashback sequence.
1: And the intercutting of, you know, the sort of flashback to you know, in between, you know, what's going on at at the current time is really well done. You get to see Archie naming his dog and you get to see uh, as as hot dog snarls at Archie, we see young Archie and young Jughead with their puppies and talking about how they've grown up with them. It's and, and, and again, you you come back to the the coloring, you know how the scenes that are in the modern sequence are this sort of muted blue and purple, and the uh, then when they get to the dramatic violence, it turns that sort of reddish orange. and it's it's just a wonderful. And you know again, Frank Avenia, a lot of times drawing animals is is not in an artist's wheelhouse. Right. house. Oh, this is some
2: beautiful pictures of of the lab when he when he he's interposed between when Vegas is interposed between Hot Dog and Archie, and the middle panel it's three panels but they put three they put lines down it, basically it's one picture but they put panel lines down so that it centers on one side is Hot Dog snarling the next picture is the is Vegas and that's just a beautiful beautiful picture there. And his caption, he's thinking, he's saying Archie Master, and then it shows Archie on the other side of the picture. Mm-hmm. And then the one following after that where he says protect the side of the dog, the dog just even just the shading, because it's a black dog, so it's very hard to draw us in a in a dark environment. But you could see the musculature; it just really looks beautiful.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's some of the best, and it's some of the best animal you know artistry I've seen in the book. And I'm looking at the the next page where you see. Vegas and Hot Dog going after each other and Vegas chomping down on Hot Dog's neck and trying to defend mm-hmm. Archie. And, you know, I guess, you know, the, the punch that you get from the scene is the fact that you're getting it from the point of view of the dog. You're getting the dog's mentality and what he's thinking. You know, he's trying to protect his master. And, you know, the, the the things. Run! Run! My life for yours! Live, well, Archie Master! It's Oh, it's so... plus it the eyes. I mean, I've
2: yeah, I've that got hate, dogs, and I've yeah, seen the, you know the, my the, eye, dog look at me like that, and it's very, yeah. This this was a tough tough two pages to read. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I that, mean that look is is unconditional love. That eighth and panel, the, the eighth panel of the nine panel grid is just amazing.
1: It, they 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 completely capture it, and again, like the Walking Dead, which we normally talk about over here, it's all done in black and white. I don't think this would have had the emotional punch if it were not done in color that you know getting that you know even though it's simple sort of orange background that the artist does just amazing things with color and the design it's just this is an outstanding comic that I, I would put up as you know one of the best comics of maybe not all time but definitely of this year
0: it's going to sound like I'm changing the subject but I'm not uh I don't know if you guys uh, are looking at the trade but in the trade there are all of the covers and the variant covers mm-hmm. in the back and especially for the first couple issues there were multiple variants or multiple you know editions second printing third printing etc and there are a couple of those that are dog related one of the variants for issue 1 is uh is a a bloody hot dog Uh, and really you just really just see almost the the you know his name tag hot dog in that little part of him Mm -hmm. Um, and then one of the variants for this issue is just a absolutely heroic um, you know full page of of Vegas and not doing anything not you know not uh, not in action Uh, but it's a just a gorgeous, uh, a gorgeous cover, um, you know, really uh, almost a portrait, you know, yes. of one of the heroes of, of yeah. issue four.
2: I think I had a localized pollen count rise come through here.
1: <laughs> My eyes are watering a little bit and I'm sniffling. I hear so. you, brother. I hear yeah. you. It, yeah, this is, this is a tough, as men, we're not supposed to get broken up by things. You know, we're supposed to be oh yeah, that, uh, that didn't affect me at all. I, I wasn't upset. You know, when I when I uh, saw Old Yeller I, I thought it was a great movie. You know, uh, you know E.T. when E.T. died, no, I, nothing happened. Well, it was fine. Well, except for you, Dr. Bill because you haven't seen E.T. Yet. Still bitter about the Star Trek thing. Sure, E.T.
2: Well one, well, one movie, my wife my well, at the time she was my girlfriend she would be my future wife uh, we were watching the movie Awakenings with Robin Williams and mm-hmm. Robert De Niro and at the end when Robert De Niro spoiler alert um, after the drug that they're taking to bring them out of their stupors and, and ticks and slight comas that they have when that starts to wear off and he be, begins to regress me and a friend of mine we're both in the Navy we're sitting there and my girlfriend slash future wife is there and the two of us are, are kind of like I'm alright I'm okay And she just looks and goes, "You guys are a bunch of wimps." Like, how can you, how can you not be touched by that? It's so sad. She's like, "Oh my god, what a bunch of girly men." She kind of walked away. We're like, "Okay,
1: see, see, we can, we can do that as you know, it's, it's, it's different things, you know, the end of, you know, the end of Star Trek Two, the Wrath of Khan,
2: you know, as as men, you can't take the bagpipes,
1: yeah." Uh, all of that, you know, uh, you, you get sucked into characters. You get sucked into character moments. And when it's done well, you know, it, it, it does have an emotional impact.
0: And here it is done exceptionally well. I don't know if we mentioned, but in between the part of Vegas you know, saving Archie and then Vegas coming after Archie, in between that we get the just in a nice emotional letdown. Of Archie having to kill his dad to save his mom, mm-hmm.
1: and this is something You're like,
0: little, "Wow, <laughs> whoa!"
1: This is something little, the, that I'll talk about when we cover the next issue because, you know, for for the readers, the emotional impact for us is given. We see the change in Vegas. We see him defend his master with his life, and then have to come back and be zombified and wanting to take his master's life. You know that's that's the emotional crux to us, but we'll get into the emotional crux for Archie and having to deal with his father in, in the next issue. But yeah, this is well. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's kind of
2: played up a little in that where we saw the flashback before talking about the origin of the dog, as in in what, what is that like a one two three five like a fifteen panel grid mm-hmm. with that a couple of panels it's one giant picture of Archie with the bat over his head in blue and then there's individual ones in orange where he's striking his dad with the bat and then it's intercut with other Uh yellow pictures of him with his dad at different points of his life at a baseball game at a park learning to shave you know and there's some more pollen in the room so yeah excuse me
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm upstairs with the windows closed, and the pollen count is, you know, getting
0: pretty high up here as well. It's and, and again, we you know we we raved about the, the coloring in the first three issues, and that again that 15 panel grid with the the, the multiple colors and each color meaning something different, mm-hmm. representing a different uh, action is just. Yeah, it's, it is unbelievable. Yeah, well, then that. there's
2: the touch of his with the blue ones. He's got the bat raised, and at the bottom panel there's a hand, and it's his father's hand up. You know, almost like right. it's like. Although we know he's a zombie, but you could you know it's like don't you know no don't hit me Archie, and it's just so it's it's this is a very intense issue.
1: And again, something that you don't expect in a comic. That's that's based on characters that you know we've always considered sort of you know kiddified you, know, you see on the that you see in digest you know at the end of you know the, the at the supermarket line. Exactly. yeah right. Right. these are supposed to be fun comics for kids to read and and we're getting these incredibly dense and touching and frightening stories in here it's it's a nice it's a nice contrast but again. The character, like we said in the previous show, the characters don't feel different. It's the situations that they're having to deal with that are different. And it's these horrifying situations and how they deal with them and how they maintain who they are that that makes this such a compelling story for me.
0: And another thing, just on the, on the coloring and, and on the art again, is that we mentioned there's basically sort of a, a blue-purple... A dark grey, yellow, red about the only about the only colors are or orange, orangey red and since of course Archie's a redhead and his family members are redhead, there are a couple other redheads when those appear there's a really stark coloring because you get sort of the black silhouette, the dark silhouette and what you see is the bright R on Archie's shirt for Riverdale and then you really just get his hair and it's just a really sort of eerie uh, look in some of these panels.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's...
2: now maybe maybe lighten the mood. All right, my theory was that Riverdale is in Utah. I think the flashback of the dog furthers my theory in that the dog was found on the Vegas Strip, and Nevada is next to Utah. Hmm. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs>
1: And it would also it is
0: sp- hard to argue with logic like that
1: and it would also explain why the uh, blossoms you know feel so uh, blase about the entire idea of an incestuous you know relationship. Oh wait no, that'd be polygamy. I'm sorry I'm thinking
0: directly about that. No, you incest- get the, uh, yeah you do get the idea, it says the blossom ancestral home and you do get the like idea that mansion. maybe they could yeah, maybe they continued to uh, maybe they didn't look outside the mansion for yeah, uh, the uh, company.
1: They, they, they may be, you know, uh, again, members of the 1%, but yeah, they, they didn't get out all that much. If you know what I'm saying.
2: They breed with the 1% in the house?
1: Keeping it in the family.
2: <laughs> but, but really, what? that's... Oh, wow, that's all I... I just realized that's all we have in this book is...
1: I,
0: I mean, mean... The last issue jumped around.
2: Yeah, this the is pace, just... The lead.
0: location... Character to character, here this is all Archie with this one interlude. So it's it's really, you could say it's two scenes or it's three scenes, but it's you know much much. Uh,
2: and the brothers
0: less just, it looks like it's it's happening, but it's
2: the brothers just tense. downright creepy when she's like, you know, I don't want to play these games anymore, and and his face is kind of silhouetted, half in shadow. Well, what if I'm not ready for the game to be over? And then she kind of gets a look on her face like, oh, crap. Uh,
0: <laughs> Maybe zombie apocalypse is not the time to have this conversation. Yeah. But uh, but I, th- I think they knew that this was one that we didn't have to pack in a lot of action to pack a punch. No. That, that,
2: There's... There, that's my dog. <laughs> I guess Comet's giving his review of the issue, too.
0: Hero dog! Hero dog! <laughs> it's like... If you can't podcast, Dad, I will podcast for you.
2: Vegas is my hero. Bring back Vegas.
1: Vegas love.
0: Vegas love. Bill, me, master, of bring Vegas.
2: <laughs> Bill ba- oh, stop! <laughs> Don't say Bill, master. I mean, <laughs> Well, you know what? I do. My dog will do this thing where he'll walk in the room and he'll he'll stretch but what he does is he puts his front legs out and he stretches and he keeps his hind legs up and every time he does it i go i bow to my great dog master
1: (laughs) see i've got a jack russell terrier who will who will basically do the superman bow she'll put her front legs up and she'll put her back legs out behind her and she'll she'll rub her belly along the carpet you know and it's 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 you know, I hate to reference Family Guy because I'm not a Family Guy fan, but, you know, the the old creepy man, the, hi, there. He's got the dog whose hind legs don't work and he just, mm-hmm. you know, crawls around. So it kind of looks like that, except, you know, my dog can actually walk. So.
0: Oh. Walking Dead Wednesday, a Family Guy podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not going to make Walking Dead Wednesday a Family Guy podcast, ever. <laughs>
1: but...
2: Eh,
1: eh. Sorry. <laughs> uh... Do not do Peter Griffin on this show. I will I will talk to Honeywell and I will have him remove you
0: from the show. He will
2: forcibly remove you from the podcast. Uh,
0: <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> and he will, talk, he will talk to DeMonzo and he will be <laughs> forcefully removed from existence.
2: <laughs> we'll be recording one night and suddenly these guys will just come right in the middle of the podcast. And we'll, all right, we know exactly where it is, where, where he is. Go in and get him. <laughs> and we'll have the patented Scott Gardner. <laughs> And I'll be gone. Bill was never heard of from again.
1: But do we have anything else on this one?
2: No, because I don't to... think I could take much more.
1: No, aside, yeah. <laughs> this one... Uh, yeah, this one hurt. This one really did. It <sighs> it, it, it tore me out. And I'm not a s
2: Everybody ashamed. hurts time.
1: And now I hurt for a different reason.
2: <laughs> My singing or the song
1: <laughs> or both? <laughs> yes, both.
2: <laughs> Pick your poison.
1: <laughs> well, Bill, you've got the you've got the next book, and hopefully, it doesn't have any more. You know, you I know, think
2: I'm going to pull us out of the out of the bomber nosedive of sadness.
0: Oh, this will be the happy. Is this I yeah, think this I can will be pull the this... happy, laffy episode. Yeah, this Good. Is nice one.
2: Kind of, I. I think I can change things around a little. Turn that frown upside down. (laughs) So... uh, Of course, as I say that, it's beginning to rain here. Depression sets in. I'm so sad. Uh, Okay. Afterlife with Archie. Number five. Covered 8 July. 299 cents. I thought that was a nice touch. In the books. It's the same subjects as before. Uh, Escape from Riverdale, Chapter 5. Exodus. I'm not going to try to say the names, because I butcher names horribly. As we mentioned in the previous episode. But, our opening page is a quote written beneath an abandoned broken swing set with red skies in the distance. We've lived here all our lives, and we're never going to come back, are we? And that was kind of a nice touch, because if you, I don't, uh, through the other books, there's always these these quotes won't be, or at least I haven't caught them in the books, but they've been
0: uh, per- they've They've really set the tone.
2: Yeah, and, and they've been at the beginning of each one, so.
1: Yeah, we, we, we neglected to mention that. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that up because yeah, in front of all of the other books, there've been sort of quotes that you know this is where you know life ends, things like that. So. Right. It's it's uh, yeah. Thank you for pointing out. You know, honestly, thank you for pointing that out. A oh,
2: cool. Anytime. It's nice that I catch something every now.
0: <laughs> your your work here is done. All
2: right. Okay. See you later. Phil. Hubert H. Smithers, the current and possibly last butler for the Lodge family, is placing an entry in his captain's, I mean, butler's log. Butler's log, zombie apocalypse, day one. My family has served the Lodge dynasty for 70, don't make that 72 years. I don't know why the butler sounds like William Shatner, but I'm going back to my normal voice because this is sabotaging my effects not to laugh. Smithers recalls the advice his father, the previous caretaker, gave him. Be indispensable, be invisible, and be discreet. Is he a butler or is he a ninja? We live in the house, but we are not part of the house. So his dad was the character of the Sphinx from Mystery Men. You must unlearn what you have learned. In the past, it was the current Smithers who was there for the family, especially at the birth of Veronica and later at the death of her mother. It was at this time that he was given a new directive to, above all else, protect John Connor. Uh, I mean, to protect Veronica. As Smithers walks the halls listening to private conversations, watching dramas unfold on video camera, and judging the new guests as to their fighting prowess, which we should in no way find this creepy... Right. Numerous things are afoot in the Lodge Estate. A love triangle between Nancy Ginger and Nancy's boyfriend Chuck might come to a head, even though Chuck is unaware of the triangle. Reggie, when consoled by Kevin, first possibly mistakes his speech as an advance, then lashes out more so when Midge is mentioned. Kevin has had quite enough of Reggie in his shit and gives him a right to the dr- to the jaw, calling him a douche. Jason and Cheryl, meanwhile, have bunked up with four eyes doily. Is that how you say that? Doyle? Doyle? Do, do. I... I... Dilbert, Dilbert Doyle? Is it? Oh, okay. I was right? I thing. And this whole situation is so creepy and full of innuendo, I am just going to move along. Move along. Move along. Veronica, meanwhile, has possibly lost her mind as she walks through the halls with a candelabra singing Mr. Sandman. Coming upon a room where she finds Archie being, Archie being consoled by Betty. She leaves the scene and is later comforted by Smithers, or as I like to call him, Mr. Peepers. She tells him what happened, which, of course, he already knew about because he was watching on the closed-circuit television. <clears throat> he tells her that Archie Andrews doesn't deserve you. I do. I mean, you're just, you know, Yeah, 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 that's it. You're just too good for him. Hollow words for a girl in love, but the war for Archie isn't over, and neither is the zombie conflict. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. That's what this book is about. Reggie has gone to visit Midge trapped in a pool. Just before he almost opens the cover, Dilbert comes in and asks... What are you doing? Uh, luckily, <laughs> Reggie uh, doesn't have to answer up for what he was about to do as the solarium glass begins the to crack under the pressure of all the amassed Riverdale zombies on the other side of it. The group quickly gathers and Archie tells them that they, need, that they need to leave. All the zombies are coming here and help isn't going to come for them. If they stay, they will die. Mr. Lodge doesn't agree, but it is Smithers who with a tale of survival gone bad in World War II, convinces Lodge to leave as well. How to get out? Archie leads them to the grate in the pantry from the previous issue, from where he had gotten out before to search for his parents. Only this time to find two zombies stuck in it, trying to gain entrance. But not to worry, as Archie has plan B. Using the fireworks for the annual July 4th celebration, they will distract the zombies and hopefully slip out of the house unnoticed. See in the past they had you the the um, lodge household was used for the fireworks display because it was the tallest house on the hill so as they ready to leave veronica makes a snide remark to betty as to betty's crying because she seems to be trying to garner attention from archie only to find out that the two zombies we had saw in the pantry were betty's parents oh snap when the fireworks begin, the dead are indeed drawn away, and the living are able to slip away, only to have only having to kill zombie coach cleats along the way. Poor coach cleats, zombie uh, uh, arrow to the head by the uh, incestuous uh, twins. <laughs> they stop for the night after leaving the town, and Smithers completes his entry in his log, wondering if it may be the last. all we have for this one this was kind of like the Smithers backstory Yeah. Mm-hmm. with a lot of where he came from and how in some ways he's been there more for um, Veronica and her mother than the father was because he was there for the birth and now I was a little confused as to the death time of the mother did she die in childbirth that's kind of what I got from
0: this. that's story. what I got from this one I think combining this one and the last one
2: yeah, but see, that doesn't make sense with the other flashback to me, because if you look in this flashback, when he's kneeling at the grave, I mean, unless this is at a later time, his hair is white. In the flashback, when they had found out that, the, that they were going to have a daughter, his hair was dark. So that wouldn't jive. It, and because Betty says she misses Veronica's mother. Oh, that's If they're true. both the same age, how could she miss her mother if she died at childbirth? Well,
1: that, that is true. So maybe, maybe there was something that... I'm thinking she just said this
2: because she was just concerned and that she really died years later, but they don't really right. make that clear. Yeah. Except for the clues huh. that he does have white hair and not dark hair. So, but, uh, yeah, Smithers is just kind of creepy. I mean, I know he's there, he's, he's, I don't know, he's...
0: Was he creepy before he came under the influence of Mr. Lodge? <laughs> or did Mr. Lodge train him to no, be... No,
2: I think his father trained
0: his, him creepy. Mr. Spy Five.
2: You know, because yeah. he's like, you know... You, you live in the house, but you are not of the house. <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: yeah, be there, but be
1: unobserved. You know,
2: and you have to anticipate their need. You know, it's it's very, uh, you know. I mean, I've never been to Butler School, uh, so, but it just seems a little creepy.
0: Yeah, I was, uh, was going to ask you about that. I thought maybe you had been to Butler School. Uh, no, no, okay, just, 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 just double checking.
2: But I have been to a doctor school, but I won't tell you what doctor it is hey,
0: about. I, I, I do like how we talked the, the the prior issue. Issue 4 had such a narrow focus. And this one we pull back and get the big picture again mm-hmm. of you know, all the survivors. And I guess it, it, you know, it seems like a pretty standard beat in a zombie action thriller, right? We have a safe house. We think it's safe. It's compromised. We move on. We lose a few along the way.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's essentially the trope of The Walking Dead. You know, you come to a place, you think it's going to be fine. Zombies attack. You have to move on. And <clears throat> but it's it's done well here, and there's a lot of great character pieces in here. Uh, one of my favorite ones, and this sort of harkens back to what we were talking about uh, with the, uh, you know, with the fourth book. From our perspective as readers, the most emotional part of the book was hot dog vegas engaging and vegas giving his life to save archie from hot dog in this story the thing that broke archie you know uh, archie saw his dog defend him he saw his dog you know essentially die to save his life but the thing that's broken archie up the most is the fact that he had to kill his father and i appreciate that i appreciate you know because it would have been easy for you know, the, the writer to get uh, get Archie as emotionally involved as we are by saying Archie was broken up by the fact that Hot Dog, you know, died. Guess what? You got your fictional pets mixed up. It was the death of Vegas that Archie was traumatized by. But no, he had to kill his father, and that's the thing that that's really affecting him, and the fact that he's gone to Betty... To talk about this, and that he's broken down and is you know crying in Betty's lap over the fact that you know he had to kill his father. It works with the character, and and we get such really great character moments here in this in this episode or in this story that I uh, I just it's great.
2: Yeah, because he's he's, uh, I mean, you're right. He could go and pine about the dog, which on some levels I think the dog. I don't. Uh, maybe I'm a cold person, or well, it's just strange. But the dog portion affected me maybe a tad bit more than the dad portion, but I, I don't
0: know. I maybe, yeah, it was it was designed to.
2: Yeah, maybe because the well, because the dog at the time had not been turned. So whereas the dad, you can see, well, he is a zombie; he's it's self defense. Whereas the dog was being
1: sacri- was sacrificing himself,
2: and the pollen count is high again.
1: Well, <laughs> and the, you know, if if we're gonna be honest, the the sequence with Vegas protecting Archie was it was made to give that kind of emotional response. We're accustomed in zombie comics, The Walking Dead, to see people have to dispatch zombies left and right. Yeah, we so, don't see
2: a lot of animal deaths or you know
1: no, things like that. Like I no, can't even re-
2: think of any zombie dogs in the Walking Dead.
1: You know, we we really we really throughout, you know uh, the Walking Dead, both the show and the comic, we see you know, people smashing zombies heads people lopping off zombies head you know there's a sequence in the show where Michonne takes out like 18 different zombies with her sword and we're we're unaffected by that but we see mm-hmm. one scene where two dogs are fighting and we get it from the point of view of, of the dog and we're just blubbering masses of gelatin it's. it's. Hey,
2: we're usually blubbering
1: masks. Well, <laughs> we're crying blubbering masks. Yeah, we're yeah. crying this time. You know, there's the additional effect of
0: that. So, yes. Granted, yes. Point taken. But the highlight of this one clearly was when Reggie gets consequenced. Oh, he yes. Gets his you douche. Yes. Thank. Get your stinking
2: paws off me.
1: Thank oh, God
0: wow. for the. You know, and
1: the fact that Reggie is the cause of all this even though no one knows that he's the cause of all this, the fact that he right. is and that he he shows what a complete asshat he is by calling, by thinking, by misinterpreting Kevin's concern for him as him coming on to him that just shows what kind of a inconsiderate uh, there, are, there are words that I probably shouldn't say to, to determine my feelings about Reggie in this book, but, but oh god, it was so good to see him get punched out.
2: In the scene, in the discussion in whatever, the game room, over the pool table, where the last panel on the page, um, to where it's a close-up of Reggie's eyes, one of his eyes has a flicker of orange in it. I kind of see that as like a flicker of rage. because like Usually we've seen orange has been reserved for Violent panels, and this is showing the violent rage or the conflict in Reggie at this moment. I mean, you guys think I'm stretching
1: on that or what? Now, where is this at? It's,
0: page before the punch.
1: Yeah, the page before the punch.
0: Yeah, I see, I see in his eye a little more just of the tan. Well, color. no, that's, that's
2: that's the one to the left, but the one to the right that's in shadow is is highly is colored brighter. It looks like a, actually it looks like a like a number four.
0: Kind of. Right, right. You.
2: And I thought that, like, maybe that was showing inner rage, but, yeah, I'm probably stretching on that one. Reading too much.
1: I don't know. I do like that, however, in in the rest of the book, the next time you see, like, uh, looking at uh, the panels where uh, Reggie's gone to the, uh, you know, natatorium or wherever the pool is, and he's getting ready to, uh, you know, unleash (laughs) Midge and Moose. (laughs) Yeah. He's got a black eye. He's got a big... Uh, right, oh, right, right.
0: That. Oh, That's a fly. nice touch. Yeah, so... Oh. Was, nice touch.
1: So the fact that, you know, he, he got knocked out by... Oh, he got knocked out by the gay character. That is awesome. Because is it, he was a jerk.
2: What else is cool when they're back at the pool is... Now, it may just be because of the glass, but... In that the zombies behind the glass, are, it's it's an orange color and the people in front are in a blue color. Right. You know, showing the violence behind the glass. You know, I mean, granted, it's probably because it's a tinted glass. But but still, I, I just thought it, it's just these nice little touches in here. And then right after that, where the zombies are on the other side of the glass, I guess Mr. Lodge is up there pumping iron. Uh, <laughs> he's, got, he's got the dumbbell. Yeah, what is it? I'm working out.
1: <laughs> Well, you know, you've got the zombie apocalypse. you got to find things to do. There's maybe no electricity or limited electricity. So, yeah, yeah, just lift some weights. Yeah, well,
2: you know, there's, then, no miss- there's no Mrs. Yeah. Lodge around, so i got to work off some frustration. <laughs>
0: Pumping some iron. And- but he's talking to just, just to give an idea of the uh, surveillance in the house. He doesn't tell Smithers to go to cameras. Uh, just go cameras two through four. It's cameras thirty-two through forty-one, so that just gives you an idea and of no- the sheer magnitude of cameras. In the and
2: space. none of them say anything like, "Hey, that's the room I was in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's going on
2: here?"
1: Yeah, there's there's probably uh, certain uh, websites that you know.
0: Have, <laughs> you would you have, know, have the rest of that. Have the rest yeah, of you have, the, yeah.
2: <laughs> Mister or... Smitherspeepers dot mm-hmm.
1: yeah,
0: Exactly.
2: Well, okay. When Veronica, in her creepy, I'm going to sing as I walk through the darkened mansion with a candelabra, I don't know where she's going with that, singing Mr. Sandman, that's just creepy, Um, comes upon Betty and Archie, sees the whole scene, gets upset, and obviously leaves, then we cut to the empty camera room, and Smithers isn't there, and there's a little motion line, like he's just spun out of the chair, you see it?
0: (laughs) And he's... and, and knew he's, exactly where she was. Every step of the way.
2: Yes, he's instantly at the bottom of the stairs, Miss. I'm like, dude, you're just way too creepy.
1: Well, and it again falls into the thing of you know, know your place and know what you need to do, and be always be ready to serve. So it's it's what's been ingrained in, in his head to be, you know, Mister Always Watch, always be on the ready to help these people out. So but
2: they've got I'm, cameras in every stinking bedroom.
0: Yep. Oh, multiple <laughs> cameras per bedroom. Yeah. I mean, oh. you could, you, yeah, I mean, you could, you can change camera angles if you need to, there's no doubt.
1: Yeah, that's, but, uh. But I,
0: but I'm going to lay my cards on the table here, I've always been pro-Betty, so. Well, it I looks don't, like, I don't, mind this.
1: It looks like, uh, you know, Archie may be, uh, shacking up with Betty in this, in this iteration of, uh, Afterlife with Archie, but, you know, you never know, and that's, that's the thing that's carried on, and. And, this. Uh, you know, we never know who Archie's going to end up with,
0: and uh, even and, and it finally takes a zombie apocalypse. But maybe mm-hmm. the four-eyed super genius guy, he may have stumbled into some good luck as well. I mean, it's the world's creepiest situation. But you don't mind a roommate, do you? Uh uh, Uh. uh, uh, uh no.
2: Is is that young? Is that young <laughs> Professor Allen there? Uh, <laughs> uh. 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 uh.
0: No, no comment
1: uh, and, then, I,
2: and then she tells her brother hey you, you can go sleep somewhere else
0: what uh, why are the, you uh, torturing
2: me you, you wish you, you're torturing me oh, uh, you're
0: tearing me apart <laughs> oh don't
1: reference the room on this show oh we try and keep it such a classy place and
2: Well, do we have uh, all subplots accounted for?
1: I think we do. You know, we've, we've talked with pretty much oh, all. Oh,
2: we didn't talk about Ginger, Nancy, and Chuck.
1: Oh, yeah, they they finally made it to the uh, the Lodge Mansion as well. So. And Chuck's
2: like, oh, baby, I missed you. Oh, I'm so blind to the fact that you're a lesbian. I'm so dumb.
1: Do, do you think Chuck is just sort of playing dumb to in hopes that, you know, he might be able to... <laughs> You know, I know, I know that they're lesbians. So maybe you know, because I'm, I'm with one of them. Maybe I can get. Oh yeah. Don't, don't worry about it, Chuck. It's not. Gonna
2: he's, happen. he's working on that penthouse form letter. Uh, Dear <laughs> penthouse.
0: I never a thought this would happen. Zombie apocalypse. I never thought it would
2: <laughs> It took a zombie apocalypse. I never thought this would happen to me. <laughs> one of them was undead. Ooh. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs>
0: zombie penthouse, uh, that's... And Smithers sees it all.
1: I see Smithers. As
0: they unfold, I make my mental notes, and I continue on my way. Because one day I can sell this, the book rights to this for millions.
1: <laughs> now, one thing that I, uh, that I think you may have gotten wrong at the end, uh, it looked like it was more Ginger and Kevin who were doing the, uh, archery thing. Because, oh, uh, who, what did I say? I think I, you I said realize. it was. I think you said it was Cheryl. I thought I thought you said it was the Blossom, Cheryl and Jason. But it was Ginger, the lesbian girl, and oh, Kevin, okay. sorry, sorry. the gay guy, who were the who were the master archers. Missed that part. Oh, but I, cool. I, I like the little uh, the, the little sniping that they have at each other. That's also you know that they that Kevin knows. Kevin mm-hmm. knows that you know she's that she's homosexual that she's gay. And you know, obviously, she knows that.
2: Oh, that's right. She he, calls him Queen Arrow.
1: Yeah, Queen he Arrow. Calls I thought him that Peter spice. was. I thought that was hilarious. I <laughs> thought that was, and it's again, he, yeah. You know, I think the fact that you know, Sakasa writes for Glee. He can write this sort of peppy, fun, uh, teen drama dialogue well, but put it into this zombie horror story, and it it doesn't sound out of place, and it also doesn't sound out of place. For Archie, it's not, it's not to the level of what I kind of seen happen on Glee. You know, again, my 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 connection with Glee is, you know, passing by and seeing my wife watching that and go, ah, not for me. I'll be upstairs watching Netflix and stuff. So. But um, yeah, it, it basically ends with. You know, a sort of Walking Dead feel of you. Know, Archie is leading the group and a la Rick Grimes, away from the last place where things went wrong. So wow, who would think we could compare Archie to Rick Grimes? <laughs> well, if Archie gets his hand cut off and issues, <laughs> then we know exactly. Then we know exactly, exactly what they're doing.
0: And of course, uh, you know, and all
1: so well, that I mean, means
0: Ginger, that it takes Ginger and Kevin. To replace Daryl, that's true.
1: Mm-hmm. And then,
2: uh, oh well, you know, and then that possible theory people have there out there about Daryl being so
1: gay. This is mm. oh yeah. Now that now that you mentioned you know the fact that the Archer in in the Walking Dead TV show might be gay, you know, and we've got Kevin being that that might be that might be an interesting parallel that they're trying to. Uh, you know, so <laughs> does
2: so does this mean that Reggie is Shane? Maybe.
1: Oh, we oh only, yeah. We can only hope that and he'll be dead soon. That Reggie gets off like Shane. Oh, I hate you, Reggie. And I, I'm, I'm saying this honestly. I do not harbor, you know, like, impassioned. No, I you know,
2: never Adrian. even liked the Reggie character in regular Archie, let alone. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, just, it's right. this,
1: this guy is despicable. Just yeah. uh, uh, completely without they, any, any desire. They, you know, they took Reggie and just, like,
2: they ripped off, they uh, they turned the knob up to eleven on him. Oh, spinal tap, thank you. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they just took all his bad poor portions and just pranked him up straight up to right up to eleven and you know, made him even more despicable and just hated. Him um, I like
0: the fact that I mean really in the sort of classic Archie comics, you know, Archie's nemesis or antagonists are Reggie, but also Mr. Lodge. But I, I I do like the fact that they've sort of turned Mr. Lodge around a little bit, but they've kept Reggie as mm-hmm. the complete, you know, dirtbag that yes. he sort of always has been. Yes. Yeah, but
2: well Lodge is, is listening, but it takes Smithers to kinda of coax him. You know, <laughs> <That's> because, <true. laughs> you know, he's like, Ah, you don't know you're a kid, you know what you're talking about and he tells him that story about how his father was in uh, a group was trapped in um like a village in world war Two, right. and his dad shimmied out went and got help by the time they got back everybody was dead so that kind of makes lodge change his mind and then and then they go to that grate to get out and it's not said there but you see that betty has like a like a speechless reaction which they would probably do that no matter who was there but you find out later that those two zombies that were coming out of the grate were her parents and uh, you know, Veronica kind of gets it back in her face.
0: Biatch. Now, one thing that you know, we did note that in in the first uh, in the first issue, you know, Jughead dies, and we said sort of everybody's on the table at that point. But they really haven't killed a main character off since then. Maybe Hot Dog might be the most you know major character. Um, well, I mean that's, there was that's there was done. the coach but I guess the he's not a main character. Yeah, the coach, the principal, the teacher, you know, but not in the main I would say in the main cast in terms of though. Right. But I yeah, guess that's... Moose I guess I guess Moose and Mid, Moose and again sort of they you know, they're, they're probably the closest. Yeah, but they're they're gotten.
1: they're just zombified. They haven't been you know, right. they're, they're contained. Uh they right. haven't really Done the whole smash the smash the head and destroy the brains type
0: thing, except for sort of secondary characters. And I'd yeah, trust, maybe they
2: can reverse the spell and they'll come back.
0: Yeah, I trust Sabrina and her family to get us through this with no more problems. Well, I'd, really, and, hmm. and, and
1: <laughs> uh, I, I actually, I kind of think that may be the out that they may take if they uh, bring this to a closure. if They bring this to closure that the Sabrina and. You know, her her aunts will be some way, you know, using their magic to reverse all this. I'm not certain. You know, I I don't like to delve into sort of fan fiction or speculation about that. But if I were to, that would be what I would think. That would be the.
2: No, 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 no. I don't think our next issue is going to quite agree with that.
0: Well, yeah, that's sort of what I was getting at.
2: Well, if you want to, we'll go ahead and well, jump
0: into our next
2: issue. I I just have one more art thing on go ahead. this one. Did you guys notice the last the last panel, the moon at the top? has a skull drawn into it. Into its shading.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, it kind of does.
2: Yeah, it's got the two fucking
1: eyes. That is awesome. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That is pretty creepy. <laughs> and it's... Uh, again, it's not drawn... Uh, I think the fact that it's... It's subtle. It's subtle. It's not, oh, yeah. bam, it's a skull in the moon. You're like... Oh. I, I think oh, the fact okay. that it's done in the, the sort of muted blue black coloring and it's not doesn't have that the orange and yellows so it doesn't have that sort of creepy violence type feel that you don't it you just don't looks really like a picture it. of the
2: moon you're like oh well wait a minute Is that yeah
1: a... and it doesn't look like the sort of 3d yeah well, that's that's a nice catch bill catching, racking up the points there you go you, <laughs> you win for this episode But if we're ready, we'll go ahead and we've got one more book to take a look at. And I think this is the...
2: Sorry, the thunder. Do you hear that thunder? Yes, I do. Okay. (laughs) That's a rather ominous start to
0: issue six. (laughs) (laughs) But but vaguely appropriate.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be looking at issue six. Now, as far as I know, this is the last one that's come out. I haven't been by LCS yet, but I think there's going to be issue 7 is supposed to be coming out at the end of September so it might be out by the time of this recording and definitely should be out by the time of this release but we're just covering up to issue 6 and issue 6 is uh, all the same people uh, you know uh, uh, Akira Sakasa, Frankovia Jack Morelli Or Jack Morelli was letterer creative consultant was Jesse Goldwater and this I was,
0: don't, I, was gonna go say, I, I don't think we've made it clear but this is not on a monthly release schedule
1: yeah, this, this is sort of
0: every couple of months-ish.
1: Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't think they have a specific release no, schedule. I, don't, I, don't think they do I think it's it. just because, you know, whenever they get it out, they get it out. And to be honest, I don't mind because the art in it... You know, we've talked about the coloring and the look of the art, but the art inside of all of these issues have just been really, really good.
0: And as, I mean, as we said, you know, the same guy is doing the whatever pencils and inks and the coloring mm-hmm. so, that's all on Frank Avia, so it's, I think it's when and, he gets to it he gets to it and that's fine with me
1: and I don't know what else You know, the only thing that I've seen recently of Frank Avia has been he's done some uh, some issues of the uh, Hawkeye comic whenever uh, who Asha wasn't drawing it I think he did a couple mm-hmm. of fill-ins for that but I don't exactly know what he's doing even more thunder it's, <laughs> it's almost ominous. Thunder. But uh, this one is entitled Betty R.I.P. It's chapter one, Witch and Dreamhouse. So we're looking at a, I guess, at a whole new series of books. And this one takes a, a slightly different turn. On the ampersands of Seaside Beach, Sabrina Sawyer and her boyfriend Harvey Kinkle are enjoying the sun on a 4th of July weekend when Harvey asks Sabrina to go scuba diving with him. Thinking nothing of it, the two end up on a boat headed out to sea, piloted by a mysterious sea captain. Soon after, Sabrina and Harvey are under the waves, exploring an ancient coral reef without any oxygen tanks, but nothing seems out of the place as Sabrina realizes she's dreaming. But suddenly, Harvey is gone and Sabrina feels as if she's going to drown. As she kicks toward the surface, her body is entangled by a giant cold tentacle that pulls her down into the murky depths. Of course, her psychiatrist, Dr. Lovecraft, uh tells Sabrina that all of this is a dream and nothing for her to worry about, of course it is. With the session over, Lovecraft tells Sabrina to keep writing down her dreams in her journal and prepare to start coming to group counseling. As she walks out the door, Sabrina turns to ask if the doctor is, if he's heard anything from her two aunts. Lovecraft says that she knows that her aunts are both dead, and she should just forget about these delusions of witches and nether realms. Resolved to her fate, Sabrina leaves the office, averse to let anyone know of the horrors she witnessed emanating from Dr. Lovecraft.
2: I'm not doing this. This is
1: I, I don't have to score this at all. This is awesome. Sometime later, Sabrina is talking with Dr. Machin and the rest of the patients in group. Although Sabrina knows she's truly a witch who was banished to another realm for using dark magic to bring her friend's dead dog back to life, she keeps up the appearance of someone who is coping with the death of her aunt. all the while witnessing ghastly sights all around her. Later, after group, Sabrina attempts to do some simple magic to no avail. Wondering what's going on with the loss of her powers, Eric Zahn, the violin-playing patient, tells her that Lovecraft is testing her, that she should stop taking her pills and try to escape. Later that night, as the nurse comes by, Sabrina does just that, but her hopes of her abilities returning are dashed as she dreams of Jughead, Hot Dog, and the zombified citizens of Riverdale attacking her. Jumping awake, she notices that Eric isn't playing his violin in the next room, Whispering through the door, Sabrina asks if everything is alright, and Eric replies that Lovecraft cut off his fingers to keep him from playing. Concerned, Sabrina breaks into the room only to find it empty, save for Eric's violin case and a pool of blood. Sabrina takes the case to Lovecraft and Machin, and demands to know what happened to the boy. Lovecraft tells her that he was troubled and tried to take his own life. That's why he transferred to another facility. Sabrina doesn't buy it, Warns the demonic doctors not to toy with it. Exiting in the room, Sabrina goes to talk with Richard Pickman, who shows some of the paint, shows her some of the paintings he's painted. They are unspeakable horrors, and Pickman tells Sabrina that they are the elder gods that Lovecraft wants to bring back into this world. He even takes Sabrina to a seaside altar that is being prepared for something. But little does Sabrina know that she was being led into a trap as Lovecraft and Machin knock her out with sleeping gas, I was hoping for more thunder, but no. I know, me too. Cut to, <laughs> Cut to Sabrina's wedding day. Friends and family have all gathered to see the teenage witch tie the knot with Harvey. But all is not as it seems, as Sabrina realizes that she's being escorted down the aisle by Lovecraft and Machin. Sabrina realizes now that she's tied to the seaside altar, and ask if they plan on using her as some sort of sacrifice. Lovecraft tells her it's nothing of the sort. Eric was the sacrifice. She is the exalted. And with that, Sabrina realizes what all of this means. What all of this is meant to be. As the unspeakable form of Cthulhu rises from the ocean depths to claim his bride, Sabrina Spell.
0: Well, this Wait, issue went somewhere sh- sh- I wasn't expecting. Oh,
1: I
2: thought I heard some there was thunder in this.
0: Oh, oh, wow. But
1: uh, yeah, this one this was a complete change. Right now, I'll have to admit I had to do a little bit more research uh, in getting notes for this oh, this yeah. issue because I was aware of H. P. Lovecraft. I've seen a couple of movies like a Reanimator, and I think I've seen From Beyond, which are kind of based on the stories of H. P. Lovecraft. I've read a few things from H.P. Lovecraft, but uh, my knowledge base of him is pretty limited aside from that. So this was this was an interesting switch-up going from the whole zombie horror genre to talking about H.P. Lovecraft and, and uh, oh, I can't remember what his name is, Machin, who was also a horror writer at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if the Walking Dead comic ever did an entire issue without the main cast, quote-unquote. But the TV show has done that before. You know, they've split up, and we have followed sort of back, uh, sort of behind the scenes characters almost. I think of a couple episodes with the governor as sort of he was regrouping and 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 preparing his second assault. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but obviously, you know, comics don't have those budgetary constraints and contracts to worry about like like TV shows do. So this is purely. You know, a storytelling choice. There's no other reason why they did that. You know, sometimes on TV shows they do that to, to save the budget, to save some money, to save the actors' contracts, not having to appear in every episode. But the nice thing about comics is you don't have any of those budgetary limitations. So everything you're seeing is a choice,
1: mm-hmm. and I think from, I,
0: from, from I, the creators,
1: I think it's magnificent the the comics medium because they can get away with things that would be, I would think, next to impossible to do in definitely in a TV show and specifically, uh, you know, possibly even a movie that will get well, we might as well mention it right now the the ending of this book where you've got this incredible two-page splash of Cthulhu rising from the <laughs> ocean. I mean that is that is horrifying and, you know, like I said, Frank Viga, you know, uh, in in what I've read of you know, H.P. Lovecraft stuff most of it, he never really gives specific descriptions of what these elder gods and these whores look like they're more just, you know the the sight of them will drive you mad and, you know, just hearing their name mentioned will cause your brain to explode and utter chaos and it's very flowery wordy stuff, but there's never any specific descriptions Except for Cthulhu, and the representation here on this two-page splash is just exactly what I envisioned the character to look like, and it is horrifying. It's it's great.
2: I don't know. I would have thought he had a little bowler hat on too. Or something. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, honey. I'm Cthulhu. Gal, <laughs> you're gonna be my bride. We're gonna have have fun all night. I
0: mean, no? we should have known. We should have known something was <laughs> off. With this book, when yeah, we start, when we start and the first two pages are colored like a regular comic would be.
2: Mm-hmm. That was very and strange. We, we've
0: talked about how different, and and even the rest of this doesn't hold to the exact same coloring, you know, conventions of the prior books, but it does have its own distinct. It used, still is using a lot of the blues and a lot of the, the orange-reds with some other colors thrown in. But we actually have two pages that have, that are traditionally... Colored like a regular old comic book, even though there is some weird stuff happening.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a guy that turns into a gray alien or some type of
1: aqua. Yeah, aqua that was car. one of the
0: things I was referring to.
1: Well, and that's—I <laughs> think that's one of the tropes of the, uh, the the Lovecraft mythos. You know, most of the creatures are are things that live underneath the sea, and you get the kind like of in idea. Dagon, yeah, exactly. And Dagon was one of them, uh, where. It's something that comes up from the ocean and, you know, this unspeakable thing. And you've got this character who's got the sort of webbed, uh, yeah, webbed creature hand. from the
2: mm-hmm.
1: Black Lagoon type driving the uh, ship, which is named uh, Riley or Riley or however you pronounce it. The R apostrophe L-Y-E-H, which is, I guess, the dimension that the uh, Lovecraftian gods reside in or whatever. Uh, again, I don't know all that oh, really? much about uh. Lovecraft.
2: I thought it was Brooklyn.
1: <laughs> we'll have to ask Paul about that. Maybe mm. that's just why he was oh, recommending
2: this book. Maybe Paul's that's an cool. elder god. He is an <laughs> elder statesman. Oh!
1: oh. Boots. He is an elder.
2: Oh, But Yeah. The... <laughs> I just picture Paul as a guardian of the universe.
1: <laughs>
2: big head, blue body. Little uh, tiny body. Anyway, we're, sorry.
1: We're, co- we're crossing the streams, Bill. That's the other show that I do. <laughs> sorry. Um... I, I, I like the idea that we finally get to find out what was going on with Sabrina. You know, uh, obviously in the first book she was sort of banished away to another realm and given that matrix, you know, mouth sheath to put over her mouth so she couldn't speak. But now we're seeing what's going on with her, and we're not certain—is this part of another realm? Is this? You know, uh, what's going on with her, but I, I like that we're finally getting back to the character of Sabrina because I think, like we mentioned earlier, Sabrina and her her aunts are probably going to be sort of a uh, uh, could be a possible resolution to this entire storyline, but uh, it's good to see Sabrina back in the story
2: We get some freaky things going on behind Dr. Lovecraft's shadow Mm-hmm times is and then we actually see his back and it looks to be eyes or some type of creature on the back of his suit and other times there's tentacles coming in his uh, in his shadow and centipedes and it's very
1: yeah well and it, and it again falls into the same coloring trope that we had in the uh, earlier issues that the, the violence of the horrors come in on these panels where you've got these sort of reds and oranges if you're looking at the, the sequence of panels here in the like the second and third page or it's got to be like the fourth and fifth pages in where uh, Lovecraft is interviewing Sabrina the panels where he's just talking to her are set in that sort of blue and purple and you know uh, sort of uh, light colors but when you see these horrors you know the tentacles coming out of uh, Lovecraft's back or the millipedes crawling across the wall those are done with the bright oranges and reds. so we're, we're keeping the same sort of visual cues with the colors to say that the horrors are coming in whenever you see this type of color
0: so you're relating that to that and and we knew that Sabrina had caused this the, what, the events on the other side of the veil uh, but we didn't know was the extent of what exactly she caused and it's affecting we assume not just Riverdale but it'll spread beyond but it's also affecting this other dream state, netherworld, if this is not just all in our head. We really don't even know that. We don't really know quite what's happening here. And I like that. Because mm-hmm. as, as we said, especially you know, issue 5, the previous issue, really hit major zombie apocalypse story beats that we'd seen before. And then we get this one. Yeah, this, yeah, is-
2: this goes way just takes a Just a swoop, big swoop in another direction that you weren't, you didn't see it coming. You know, I didn't see see this coming.
0: Yeah, you don't expect Cthulhu, but no one ever expects Cthulhu.
2: No, I I think that no one expects the Cthulhu Inquisition.
0: I think that should be a bumper sticker, basically.
2: No one
1: expects Cthulhu.
2: Uh, I would hope not. Ding dong.
0: But I always like the fact that in the sort of quote unquote real world of Archie. That Sabrina really is a misfit. I mean, she doesn't really belong there. And, you know, I think that these guys, that, that the afterlife crew, recognize that right away. And that, that, in essence, their starting point is Sabrina does not belong. What does that mean? I mean, it, 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 they're, they're really making good use of that fact. And the fact that you know being a magical being in a otherwise pretty boring high school situation. Well, and these two characters that Sabrina encounters,
1: both uh, Zahn and uh, uh, Pikmin, are taken from H. B. Lovecraft stories. Um, obviously, Pikmin's model, if you don't know about that, was essentially about uh, a Victorian character who painted, you know, unspeakable horrors, and you know, uh, it's. The tale was kind of, of uh, sort of an art gallery showing that he took a person to and showed in these horrors, and he was just completely appalled by it. Mm-hmm. I, and the other one about Zahn was, I haven't read that one, but that's about a character who played a violin, and the songs they played from the violin were such horrific music, it was able to keep this portal... That or uh, was keep this portal closed, letting that would let the uh, elder mm, gods in. Okay. So right. it was nice wow. to see that it, th- this was basically, I think, you know, uh, Aguirre Sakasa uh, bringing in his knowledge of Lovecraft and trying to fit in this book. And it is, it is a jarring change from the zombie horror thing, but it still has, you know, it's just a different type of horror. So. Oh, absolutely.
2: Well, you know, you guys have mentioned earlier that maybe. Sabrina, her her aunts will be the resolution of this, but it's her aunts that are help that are helping to tie her up on the on the bluff, and are actually standing off to the side, you know, watching what's going on as if they approve, you know, that he that she's being chosen by Cthulhu to be his bride. And uh, I don't know. This is I'm I'm curious as to where this is going to go.
0: Yeah, you wonder if this would this have happened without i mean they they say none of this was an accident the dog the book the gates of hell none of it is, a, is an accident
2: well in uh, in her dream induced green right. sleep thing there's another scene with uh the with the ants and with betty and veronica as her bridesmaids and the ants talk about uh saying oh they picked you at the time of your birth at the time of Earth, you were charged, you know, we were charged with your safekeeping. Imagine us, us mothers to the all-mother and then actually after the main story, did you guys read the other, uh, mm-hmm. well, actually, it is a prologue and I guess it's the tale of Sabrina's mother and father, and I guess it's implied that the father is some type of demonic figure, uh, perhaps.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I might as well mention that. I didn't really do a specific synopsis for that, but there is a, a preview of I guess the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina that's in the back of this book and I guess that's going to be a uh, Oh it is.
2: Oh, sorry. I thought that was Oh,
1: got it. Right. There's going to be there's going to be an actual uh, comic coming out, you know, that's dealing with Sabrina and all of the goings on with this. So I think this is and it's going to be written by the same uh, author but penciled by a different artist. Up. And uh, essentially it's going to be telling what's going on with Sabrina during this time as far as I think. And Afterlife with Archie is going to be more of the zombie horror. So I think This was just sort of setting up that. But yeah, essentially the little prologue at the end of the story is basically setting up uh, Sabrina's backstory. Her father was sort of a devil worshiper who was going to take, you know, who had his uh, wife impregnate or who, well, impregnated his wife. And they had a baby and they were going to give the baby to this coven that he was uh, interacting with. And the mom didn't want that to happen, so you know the dad had to hunt the mom down as she was trying to escape with Sabrina, and basically had her institutionalized and had her lobotomized. So it shows that you know the Spellman family is—it's kind of a dark family that we're getting here in this this iteration of uh, Archie. So, so do we have anything else specific that we want to talk about in this book? I don't want to talk about Cthulhu anymore.
0: <laughs> I, I think
1: it's probably best we don't talk about Cthulhu all that much the Some only the... thing
0: um, the only thing I had that's not really a, it's, it's probably not even a reference it's just a strange you know, pretty standard actually confluence of words that at one point uh, Sabrina is talking about how she grew up she said I grew up in a strange house doctor i always like that because I think of Doctor Strange's <laughs> mansion <laughs> So, just an odd confluence of those words—strange house and doctor—and
1: mm-hmm. and again, you know, I could see you know them making little, little putting in little Easter eggs to uh, you know other comic books out there. But yeah, that works. Yeah, but and, again,
0: and it looks like from the preview that the next issue was going to be back with Archie in the main storyline. But you assume at some point these t- two will will come together and we'll get more of this. Nightmarish dreamscape. Mm-hmm. Well, I
1: hope so. And, and, and well, and I'm glad because in this story, they kind of mention uh, that you know all of your friends. You know, I think what is it, either Lovecraft or whatever, says that all of your friends in Riverdale are dead. You know, it's it's better that 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 they're all gone. So it's it's good to see that we're going to go back to the afterlife with Archie and all of those characters, and you know, make sure that they're not dead. Because, you know, that, that'd be a really crap way to end the series.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I do have to mention, since Dr. Bill pointed out how much he liked the... how the... Uh, on the covers, these are listed at 299 cents. You know, sort of as, a, as an homage to the old Archie comics. That, uh, uh, according to the preview for issue 7 it's going to be 399 cents. Oh. So huh. whether that's a supply and demand, popularity is up, mm. or if it's going to have a couple extra pages, we don't quite know. Uh, hmm. But I did notice the price increase. Sorry, that's the business professor in me.
2: Uh, oh, 100 cents. How much of a percentage <laughs> increase is that, professor?
0: Well, all I know is if you got it for 25 cents, that would represent a 93% discount. <laughs> But I think it's going to be a long time, if ever, you show up in the 25 cent bin?:
1: No, these are these are pretty <laughs> popular books, and uh, yes. I, I'm like I've said, I'm a fan of The Walking Dead. I'm still collecting Walking Dead comics, but this is actually engaging me more right now than The Walking Dead, and I'm glad we've got the chance to cover it. Well, Professor Allen, again, I appreciate you coming on this episode, this very special episode of Walking Dead Wednesday. Why don't we go ahead and let you uh, tell people where they can find you out on the Internet?
0: Oh, I see. You have me on for the very special episode. Uh-huh. I know what that means. Is this about alcoholism? This tr- is, is, is this the drug abuse issue this is
2: about Cthulhuism
0: yes. oh that's right this is about the don't marry Cthulhu yes. that's that's okay have you accepted
1: you. Cthulhu into your heart
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is our that's our moral for this episode okay I got it yes well I can be found over at the relatively geeky podcast network at relatively dot blogspot dot com or in iTunes searching for relatively geeky And over there, I do The Quarter Binge Show, where I talk about my favorite kinds of comics, cheap comics. And also, my daughter Emily and I do Short Box Showcase, a show where we mostly talk about topics in the world of comics, and also talk about specific comic book issues uh, as well. And then she also does Uncovering the Bronze Age, where she puts her sociology degree to good work, looking at those uh, comic books from the early 1970s and mid 1970s, where they're trying to do more socially relevant type of, of storytelling, and occasionally Bob Haney as well, which is um, a different kind of challenge to talk about. And then we have, you know, sort of random types of. Of episodes as well, like this uh, Afterlife with Archie episode. So, but all of that is available in one feed. We make it easy for you. Relatively geeky.
1: Well, maybe we, go ahead. Maybe no. we
2: should do a um, when episode seven comes out. We could have you back for our, We could do another episode. Sounds good. As as they come out, maybe.
0: Or 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 when this trade is finished up, whatever.
2: Oh yeah, well yeah, we could probably do it when
1: the trade comes out. Yeah, that would be better.
0: Okay, yeah, that'd be that'd be good. What are you guys doing next Halloween? Um, Just asking.
1: <laughs> Essentially, I'll be doing what I do every Halloween: stealing away my kids' candy, especially Perfect. the Snickers. Those are delicious. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll find some you know people around here who give away the full size Snickers rather than those little cheap, crappy, fun size ones. Those suck.
2: Just just don't take any apples,
1: oh yeah because apples mm-hmm. apples have razor blades in them
2: mm-hmm or needles or
1: or they could have been dropped from the hand of a person who was bitten by a zombie and made a wonderful wonderful splash page
2: and you have a zombie infected <laughs> apple
0: Ugh,
1: those are the worst
0: but anyway sometimes I think my sometimes I think my iPhone is zombie in, in pale apple it sends a bite out apple. of
1: it. <sighs>
2: the that ios's so are usually in my head <laughs> those those, I, those ios's are usually uh you know a pain in those the butt those are pretty
0: demonic so yeah.
2: yeah here's a new patch here's a new ios here's the first patch for it here's the next patch for it really? <laughs> mm.
1: thank you apple but Fair that's enough. it folks i guess uh <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna call this one call this one over and We'll catch you next time on another episode of Walking Dead Wednesday. Thanks again, Professor Allen, for showing up.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Hail, Professor Allen.
0: Hail, Doom.
1: Yep. And we're back. I am recording and it all looks good. I will do a backup do... just in case. T- and I'm
2: we're back. back. We're gonna do an Andy Leyland.
0: Next time! Next time! Our all new Walking Dead Wednesday. I still like, I, I still want to do a Professor Allen here.
2: Hey everybody. <laughs> do
0: my tre- hey everybody. Professor Allen here.
2: Hey everybody. Doom here.
1: <laughs> 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 you all shall bow down before.
2: Uh, okay. Issue five of Afterlife with Archie. If I can get to the front page. No, nope, I went to the back page. Dummy. Yeah. Please edit this out. Okay. Oh,
0: yeah. But of course I will. I will. Sure.
2: Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Paul makes Sean. me sound bad enough.
0: Come <laughs> on. I'll edit it into the last episode. If that, if that's fair. Smart
2: ass. You know, oh God, I'm blanking out. Um, oh, uh, <laughs> Doctor Bill Lockup, accessing, accessing, stuck in a loop.
1: No thunder, <laughs> damn. Did you hear my wife down there? No. Thank you, honey. What did she say? I thought I heard something. She said going to Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife loves to mock me whenever I'm doing.
0: So <laughs> It's not like Spitaro's acting me on any shows recently. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean if it if, 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 <laughs> if it if it weren't for Sean, I'd never be on this network. Oh my god. <laughs>